This is Tending Seeds, a podcast about my adventures in homesteading and herbalism. I'm Sarah Schuster, and I'll be your host. Thanks for being here today. Hi, friends. It's good to be back with you for another episode. Autumn is peeking its head around the corner here. The elderberry harvest is done, and goldenrod is popping up everywhere and beginning to bloom. I'm feeling more active as temperatures finally start to cool off just a smidge. And I have ideas brewing a mile a minute in my head of things I want to work on once this current growing season has concluded. We're not done yet, though. Still lots happening out there. I also just got to take two amazing full-day herbal classes here locally, taught by Leah Larabelle of the High Garden School of Holistic Herbalism. One day was on herbs for anxiety and depression, and the other was herbs for reproductive health. Both classes were great, and I learned so much, as always. And I also just had a great time being surrounded by other people who are as interested in herbs as I am. And it's super fun to start to recognize people from one class to the next and run into old friends at various classes and conferences throughout the year. Our herbal community is always growing, and that definitely fills my heart to see and gives me a lot of hope for the future. Even though autumn is just beginning, it's actually the time of year where I start assessing things for winter especially any items that I might need to budget for and plan ahead in order to purchase. Also, I feel like the best time to purchase things you need for winter is before everyone else out there is running around trying to get those same things as well. So I think it's great if you can do yourself a favor and try to stay ahead of the curve, if at all possible. I was actually planning to talk about cover cropping this episode, but then when I was looking at my content schedule, because I actually have some episodes planned out ahead in terms of what I want to cover, I realized that with it being September already, I really kind of needed to go ahead and swap episodes and talk about, you know, winter prep. So that's what we're going to do today. And I'm just going to kind of jump in and tell you about some of the things that I am thinking about and starting to worry about here on the farm and on the homestead. And honestly, I think even if you're not currently on a homestead yourself, some of these things are probably going to be useful to you, or at least I hope so. So stay tuned. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about has to do with your wood stove or fireplace maintenance. We don't actually have to worry about that this year since our wood stove just got installed a few months ago. And so we'll be firing it up for the first time this year. And it was installed professionally and inspected at the time that they installed it. So we should be good to go. But if you do have a wood stove or fireplace, you need to make sure that you are getting that serviced and cleaned, you know, pretty regularly. And that's going to vary depending on how often you're using it. So that's your call. You just need to be kind of aware of that. Make sure that that's in good shape. The next thing kind of ties into that would be seasoned firewood. That is something I need to get for us. So when we talk about seasoned firewood... What we mean is that it has aged. So after it's been, you know, split down into pieces, it's been set out somewhere, you know, preferably outside, but not right up against your house and left, you know, covered with a tarp. So it's not just getting rained on all the time. You can pull that tarp off on sunny days to let it, you know, really get some good heat going there. Basically, if you're not stacking and splitting your own wood, then you're going to need to find somewhere to purchase that. When you go to purchase seasoned firewood, it should be really light when you pick it up because all the moisture is should be out of it. That's what we mean when we talk about seasoned firewood. So it's been dried out. It's been drying for quite a few months probably. 
And so it's nice and dry. It should be really light when you pick it up. And usually, depending on the type of wood, it's going to actually look kind of gray as it's kind of aged. And at the ends of the wood pieces, it should have started to kind of split apart as part of that drying process as well. So really make sure you're checking for that. You don't want to just go grab, you know, any stack of wood out there. You know, you can get away with doing that if you're doing a bonfire outside. But when you're talking about your fireplace and your your wood stove for inside use, if you're using, you know, damp wood, that's how you end up having a really smoky fire inside your house and or you can actually have a flu fire occur because of that moisture. So check those things out. Um, I also am planning to get a stack of just regular kind of outdoor use firewood um, for like bonfires, like I just mentioned, but that's kind of its own separate thing. So that doesn't need, in my opinion, at least it's nice if that's super nice and dry, but I'm not as worried about that since I'm going to be burning it outside rather than in a confined space. So if it ends up being a little bit smoky, you know, that might be a tad annoying, but that's okay. Next thing I want to cover would be Do you have backup food for yourself in case you get snowed in on your homestead? And when I say backup food, that includes everyone at your homestead, not just the humans. So if you have any pets, any animals that you need to be feeding as well, we always keep like a bag or two ahead on dog food for the pups here and rotate that each time we bring new food into the house. And then I think we're better about that with the pets actually than ourselves because our kitchen's pretty small. And so our pantry really doesn't have like quite the depth that I want it to yet. Um, But yeah, keeping backup food for yourself, thinking about in case you're snowed in and think about that in two ways. One, are you snowed in, but you still have power so you can cook on an electric stove, which is what we have here. Gas would be awesome, but that's not what we have. Um, Or do you also have food in case you have lost power? And circling back to the wood stove thing, that was a big impetus for us to get that wood stove was because we do lose power here on occasion. Last winter was our first winter here on the property. We had a really mild winter, and so we didn't have a lot of power outages. And we actually didn't have any caused from snow. It was only from thunderstorms and rain. But looking at this winter, whenever we do actually get a nice, you know, really cold winter here, If we get snowed in um, and we lose power, we have a backup heat source with that wood stove. But yes, we definitely need to deepen our pantry, both in terms of things that can be cooked with electricity and things that can be cooked without. I mean, we have enough food here to scrounge by for a couple days, but I think it would be smarter for us to build up a better store of that. And another reason to do that is just if you don't know how life is going to go, you know, if you suddenly lose a job or something and you have food built up in your house, that's one less thing you have to worry about being able to buy if you have enough food to skate by for a few months, um, or at least, you know, to get by making meals with having to purchase, you know, minimal things at the grocery store to augment what you already have stored up in your house. So I feel like this is a good plan year round, not just before winter, but definitely before winter, something good to kind of think about there. Heading outside, I think it's good to start looking at, is there anything that you're going to be planning to overwinter inside your house? Anything that you're going to bring inside for the winter? Either things that are already outside and in pots that you're going to be moving inside. So figuring out where are you going to put those in terms of space? And also, is there any prep that you need to do with those? Is it, 
you know, this is a good time of year where if I need to repot any of my house plants, I'll usually start to do that around now. That way they're nice and settled in before winter comes. But if there's anything you're planning to, for some reason, dig up that you've decided that it's too risky to try to leave it outside over winter. And so you're going to opt to pot it, you know, put it back into a pot and bring it inside. Start figuring that out now so that it's not like a rush right before suddenly you have a first frost on the weather forecast. Definitely the more of this you can do ahead of time, the better. Because if you still have a garden, then if frost is coming, you're going to be worrying about that and getting row covers or frost cover out to cover, you know, greens and whatever else you have in your fall garden right now. And, you know, for our part of the country, we're still probably at least a month out from having to even think about frost. But again, it's good to be thinking about, do you have your row covers? Do you know where those are? Have you checked to make sure they're still in good shape and not, you know, full of holes that like something got into them. Like our frost covers are all out in our garage, um, which is not like a super weatherproof building. So things can get into that. So I check through that and make sure that everything's in good shape. So yeah, check and decide what are you overwintering? What do you need to bring inside for those of us that have, you know, tons of outdoor plants, you know, it can be a little inconvenient and kind of tricky to figure out like, where are these all going to go in your house when you bring them inside? So start making a plan. I know plenty of folks that kind of have different furniture setups for different times of year, simply because they have to move so many different plants around during the winter and bring those in. Next thing to think about is mulching your fruit trees. So this isn't really super hard, but especially for your trees that are I would say under three years old, you're going to want to do some research and figure out what you need to do to make sure that those survive through the winter. Most of our trees, you know, the apple trees and stuff that we planted last fall and a few this spring, most of those fruit trees, we're just going to be doing some really good mulching with like wood chips and leaves. And that should be fine. I'm really worried about, you know, are not worried. I'm more focused on the rootstock, the part that's underground in that bottom chunk of the tree. I'm not worried about the entire fruit tree. So as long as you're keeping that, you know, the rootstock and, and all of that, if you're keeping that alive, even if the top dies back a bit, if you do have a particularly harsh winter, that's going to, you know, you'll get new growth there come the spring. That's okay. You're really worried about the base and the roots. Um, for us, we also have a fig tree that's only about a year and a half old, and I got some good growth on it this year. No figs yet, but I really want to make sure it doesn't die back too much um, over this winter so that in spring, it's not having to worry about, you know, regrowing what it already grew last year. I want it to keep getting bigger and bigger, and hopefully I will get some figs this coming year. So I'm actually, I've done some research on that. I'm actually going to be wrapping that and packing that with like leaves and then wrapping the outside of that with burlap is kind of what the internet suggested to me and some of the homesteading groups that I read. That seems to be the consensus for taking care of fig trees. My fig tree is a Chicago hardy, which is supposed to be fine for winters in my zone where we live. But I'm still going to kind of baby it just because it's still a young fruit tree and I don't want to lose it. Next thing to think about would be, not yet, but eventually, you're going to need to put your garden to bed. And so thinking about how you want to do that, what materials you're going to need. So that could be if you want to kind of wood chip over your garden and leave that to mulch down over the winter, 
or if you want to do a combination of wood chips and leaves, one really easy thing to do is once fall starts up here, there are plenty of people that, you know, have to have that perfect immaculate lawn. And so they save me a lot of work because they will go through and bag up all of their leaves for me and leave them by the side of the road. And then you can just drive around with your truck and fill up the back of your truck with bags of leaves. Super easy, super fun. And then I don't have to do a bunch of raking. I can leave the leaves on my property where they fall and I can just use everyone else's to amend my garden, which is super awesome. Other things to think about is just a good time of year to kind of check your fencing or anything else that you have, you know, permanent structures in your garden. If you have any like trellises or arches and things like that, just looking through those and just checking for damage, just so you have an idea of what you might need to fix or repair heading into spring next year. It's just nice to kind of have the status of that in your mind. Also, once your garden season is done for the year, you need to be looking at making sure your pipes don't freeze. And so a good thing to do for that is make sure you're disconnecting your outdoor hoses and the irrigation that you had out there and make sure you're storing that properly. The last thing you want is for those to somehow still have had water in them and then you know, they freeze and then you're losing your drip irrigation or your hoses or whatever it is you're using. We just have a couple like small hoses here. We don't do like drip irrigation or anything like that. But if you do, I know that stuff is expensive. You do not want to lose that just because you kind of left it out there too long. And so yeah, and prep for freezing pipes. If that's an issue where you are our house, I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. It wasn't this past winter, but you know, just making sure that our hoses were disconnected and everything else is good to go. Last thing I want to talk about would be any of your vehicles. So this is definitely more of an issue the further outside of town that you live to make sure that you're not breaking down. So whether that's having a way to take care of like a flat tire, um, having like a patch kit for tires. We have a little thing that just plugs into the cigarette lighter, the outlet on the car that we can use to inflate tires if we need to. And you know, that's most of the time is gonna be enough to at least get it inflated enough that then we can drive it into town and get it looked at if we need to have that done. Also just in the past couple months, like both of our vehicles had to get brand new batteries. So we should be good to go for the winter, but that was really annoying and frustrating and kind of expensive to have to deal with. Um, like literally in like the same month, I think we had to replace both of those. So we've also gotten like a portable battery charger or battery starter, and that's going to be really handy because you literally just charge that up once a month and then you can just throw it in the back of your car, which is great because my truck is 15 years old and it's definitely getting to that point where I'm starting to have more and more mechanical problems and being stranded is not fun. So keeping on top of your vehicles, make sure the batteries are good. You know, winter is a time when they definitely like to give up the ghost on you. Also, another thing I think about is just stuff to carry in my truck when I'm driving around. And again, especially just because we are more rural now, so it's not quite as easy to just call someone up and, or, you know, walk to a gas station or something like that. So especially heading into winter, I always keep like some little snacks, like some packs of nuts or something in my car. I actually have like a huge uh, comforter in the seats behind behind my seats in the truck um, in case I get, you know, my truck dies and it's like really cold out. Also just some bottles of water, 
pro tip, don't fill those all the way up because water expands when it freezes. So that's not fun. Um, but yeah, just having some basic little things like that in the car in case, you know, the worst happens that way you don't feel quite so stuck. And yeah, cause it never fails. Like the car is always going to break down when you're like really needing to get home because you were super hungry or you're like, Oh, I really wanted to use the bathroom and now I'm, you know, stuck out here on the side of the road somewhere. So planning ahead. And I find the more I plan ahead for stuff like that, the less often I need those items. So it kind of works out in my favor that way, which makes it totally worth it. All right. So those are just some ideas for things to start thinking about now as we head into winter, especially things like the firewood and stuff like that, um, where people local to you might eventually start to run out or might jack up the price once there's more of a demand for it. So trying to get that taken care of now, if that's something you're going to need to purchase, I think is definitely a good idea. And, you know, or if you need to kind of budget for those things or like a car starter, things like that you know, those can run you like 50 bucks or so. So if you need to budget that ahead, start working on it now so that you have it, you know, before winter is actually here. All right. For those of you that are local, I mentioned last episode that I'm going to be doing a workshop soon. And I do have a date for that now. So Monday or not Monday, Sunday, September 29th. So the end of this month, I'm going to be doing a workshop where we're going to do um, an elderberry syrup making demonstration and a winter wellness workshop. We'll be covering all sorts of herbal home remedies for cold and flu season. And you'll go home with tons of information, recipes, and also a bottle of elderberry syrup, as well as a yummy winter tea blend for you. So if you're local, check that out. You can find that online through Facebook. If you look for Fox and Elder on Facebook, I have that listed there under events. Or if you are on Instagram, it's in my profile right now. So go check that out. Let me know what you think. I'm hoping to start doing more classes pretty regularly here. I love teaching and getting to show people how to make home remedies for themselves. So check that out. As always, you can always contact me with questions, comments, ideas for topics that you would like me to cover. My email is foxandelder at gmail.com. Fox and Elder also on Instagram. I will be back with new episodes on the first and third Wednesday of each month. I super appreciate y'all being here with me. Until next time, keep your hands dirty and your heart open.